Well, what did you expect? When have you heard that question? Said it. What kinds of situations call forth this question? And is it really a question? Many times in common usage, it is actually a statement pretending to be a question. Something happens, which I see as having been easily predictable, while you express disappointment, shock, or surprise. Well, what did you expect, I may ask? Which is another way of saying you should have expected this, or this was clearly to be expected. I may be mildly interested in what you actually expected, but only so that together we can measure the distance between that and what I have decided was a reasonable expectation and what actually happened. (laughs) I, however, would like to reclaim this as a real question. What did you expect? What did I expect? What did we expect? Because like it or not, whether we think expectations work for us or against us, I believe we are all carrying them all the time. All too often they are buried, hidden away from even ourselves, and they only come to light or are exposed by the light suddenly shining into the corners of our psyches. We only actually see and acknowledge the expectations we carry when they are overturned, upended, challenged, or dashed on the rocks of unforeseen circumstance. And we don't always see or acknowledge them for what they are even then. It seems to me that expectations are expectations of others, their expectations of us, our expectations of ourselves, our expectations about how the world works. These expectations, like beliefs, become so sewn into the fabric of our lives that it is hard to see them as separate threads and to calmly, without judgment, trace the course of these threads back to their origin. Now, there are those who think it best that we get rid of expectations altogether. Alexander Pope, in a letter from 1725, added a ninth beatitude to the original eight recorded in the Gospel according to Matthew, saying, Blessed is he who expects nothing, for he shall never be disappointed. (laughs) About 238 years later, Sylvia Plath wrote in her novel The Bell Jar, published in 1963, if you expect nothing from somebody, you are never disappointed. Bringing that same idea into our current millennium, Tanya Hurley, in a series for teens called Ghost Girl, writes, if you expect nothing, again, you can never be disappointed. It seems like a simple enough solution, right? If expectations, when they are not met, cause disappointment, why not just rid myself of any expectations? Simple. But is it realistic? Interestingly, in the case of author Tanya Hurley, though the quotation, which is plastered all over the Internet with her name attached, is correct, It is enlightening to see it in context in her darkly comic novel for teens. 
If you expect nothing, you can never be disappointed, she writes, yes. But then goes on to say, apart from a few starry-eyed poets or monks living on a mountaintop somewhere, however, we all have expectations. We not only have them, we need them. They fuel our dreams, our hopes, and our lives like some super-caffeinated energy drink. (laughs) I agree. Now, I'm not necessarily promoting super-caffeinated energy (laughs) drinks, but I, too, tend to believe that we all have expectations and that we not only have them, we need them. They fuel our dreams, our hopes, and our lives. They help us to create healthy boundaries and promote accountability. They help to shape our days, our activities, our efforts, our commitments. And they can also stunt our spiritual growth. They can shut down our ability to connect. They can rob us of hope and of becoming aware of our own potential, shutting down our dreams before they are ever allowed to fully take shape. There is nothing, I think, inherently good or bad about expectations. It depends on what they are, where they come from, what they allow us to do and to be. Expectations are like beliefs because they are beliefs, right? Beliefs about what we can look forward to, about other people, about how the world works. And I am not saying that one can simply choose to change the expectations we hold. They arise from our experience and our reflection and our connections with others and our own understanding. We can't fake them. But like other beliefs, expectations often go unexamined. They are just the way it is. And that is why I find it important to reclaim this as a real question. What do I expect and why? Where is that expectation coming from? How does it color how I see the world? Taking the time to ask brings expectations to light that I didn't even know I had. I am helpless against the power of an unexamined expectation. Bringing it to light allows me to assess whether I really do believe it. Allows me sometimes to let go of it. Allows me at other times to hold on to it, but to hold it lightly. Realizing that though it is important, it is also flexible. Open to change based on new information and wider experience. I may think I don't have expectations. And then I hear myself saying, that is so unfair. Do I hold the expectation that life is fair? I may think I don't have expectations, and then I hear myself asking, what did I do to deserve this? Do I hold the expectation that people receive what they deserve in life? Once I see and acknowledge my expectations, I can assess them. I have a greater awareness of and choice about how they influence my behavior and responses. But I have found there are no shortcuts, no easy answers, no one-size-fits-all. <laughs> These are healthy expectations for us all. No one-size-fits-all solutions for how to manage expectations. 
Aside from those who would counsel us to let go of all expectations, which I have decided for myself is not possible, there is a strain of Stoic philosophy that would advise us to always expect the worst so that we will not be shocked or unprepared if it happens. And when something much better occurs, we can welcome it with even greater appreciation. On the other hand, there are many of the positive thinking school who would suggest that expecting good things may indeed result in good things occurring and put us in the frame of mind to truly appreciate the good things we may have missed otherwise. And again, while these are often presented as though we can simply adopt one or another at will, I think they are more helpful in allowing us to look at the expectations we already carry, the ones with roots that go deep into our experience and understanding, and to notice how they affect us. Marcus Aurelius, famous Stoic philosopher, wrote, When you first rise in the morning, tell yourself, I will encounter busybodies, ingrates, egomaniacs, liars, the jealous, and cranks. (laughs) Can you see that on an inspirational poster? (laughs) But hey, if you tend toward these kind of unpleasant expectations, read on. Because... I have understood the beauty of good and the ugliness of evil, Aurelius writes. I know that these wrongdoers are still akin to me and that none can do me harm or implicate me in ugliness, nor can I be angry at my relatives or hate them, for we are made for cooperation. Because you've accepted the reality that people act in such ways on a deep level, in other words, you'll be able to notice that same potential within yourself and to respond to these people with patience, forgiveness, and understanding. And while the power of positive thinking has been hard for some to accept as they reject the popularized notion that we are able to change actual events with our thoughts or intentions, it can also be the case that for those whose expectations tend toward the positive, they are made open and receptive to seeing things of value in events that might have otherwise been dismissed as only negative that they bring a spirit of openness to situations rather than hesitation or suspicion. Again, the point is not to kid ourselves about what our actual expectations are, but quite the contrary, to raise our expectations, the ones we have, to light, to be honest with ourselves about what we do expect, to measure those expectations against our own lived experience, to wonder how open we are to having our expectations transformed. What were the expectations on Emmanuel? What expectations did he hold for himself? When we heard his story earlier, how does that story affect our own expectations for ourselves? Does it empower us? Or make us throw our hands up in the air and say, I can't even overcome these small obstacles. Do we celebrate that spirit of determination that Emmanuel showed in riding bike across the country 
Do we raise that up in ourselves and others in whatever small ways it appears? Or do we use the story to remind ourselves how we and others just don't measure up? Judith Bernstein told a wonderful anecdote about the poet William Stafford at our month of Sunday's meeting last Sunday. Stafford had a routine of writing a poem every day. Asked what he did if he found the poem to be weak, he said, I lower my standards. (laughs) I love that. In another interview, he said, if I am to keep writing, I cannot bother to insist on high standards. I am following a process that leads so wildly and originally into new territory that no judgment can at the moment be made about values, significance, and so on. I am headlong to discover. Sometimes lowering our expectations opens up possibilities. Think in ways you've never thought before. If the phone rings, think of it as carrying a message larger than anything you've ever heard, writes poet Robert Bly. Think in ways you've never thought before. Not so easy to do, is it? There's a quotation popular in 12-step circles that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. I get that. It has helped me in my ongoing challenge of breaking loose from unhealthy, repetitive patterns, and I call it to mind when I take a look at my own expectations. However, there is another side to that. When it comes to expectations, do I sometimes hold on to the old ones even when the circumstance or the person for whom I hold these expectations has changed? Do I sometimes become so attached that I twist my view of what is happening to meet my expectations rather than reform my expectations to match what is actually happening? For better or worse, things can and do change. People can and do change. Ground that we thought was solid can shake beneath us. And wonders that we never thought possible sometimes occur. As Reverend Victoria Safford says, how we let go of one idea or one assumption, one dream, and reorient our minds, our spirits, our plans around new revelations of reality, well, that is the religious life. One might even call it sacred flexibility. What did you expect, I'd say. 